0: Welcome to Objection to the Rule, your Sunday afternoon news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, We are recording this episode on Thursday, January 21st, and it will begin airing on Sunday, January 24th. My name is Teresa Robinson, and I'm on air today with my co-hosts Emily Scott and Jasmine Smith. How's it going, ladies? I'm doing
1: okay.
2: Doing pretty good. Um, New president. (laughs) Moving into the future here tentatively but cautiously hopeful right cautiously so. optimistic
0: it's been a bit of a draining week for me but I am happy that it's a short week uh, because I need mm-hmm. to rest okay mm-hmm. <laughs> this this transition energy has been quite overwhelming so mm-hmm. <laughs> but nonetheless here we are so on today's episode we'll be talking about the hunts point strike we'll have a recap of the inauguration. Uh, The World News will focus on the COVID-19 vaccine rollout in India, and we have some good news from the Biden administration's first few hours in office. So we're going to go ahead and kick off today's episode with our local news story. Jasmine, you're
1: up. All right, so I wasn't aware of how important this particular food hub was for New York City. But there's the Hunts Point Produce Market in the South Bronx that's responsible for distributing up to 60% of New York City's fruits and vegetables, and the workers there are on strike. Um, The information that I'm reading to you is written by David Cruz for Gothamist. Uh, The article is entitled, Hunts Hunts Point Produce produce Workers Enter Day 3 of Strike After NYPD Breaks Up Picket Line. Uh, And there's also some information from uh, Grub Street, uh, an article by Rachel Sugar with some background information. So this is the first strike in 35 years at the Hunts Point Produce Market in the Bronx. Uh, Officers were dispatched to break up the picket line this past Monday, which was the uh, 18th, uh, MLK Day, unfortunately. So if workers and company representatives do not arrive at a speedy agreement, according to the article, New Yorkers could see a significant decrease in the amount of produce that lands at grocery stores and supermarkets by the end of this week. So you're listening to this on Sunday. That would mean, you know, if they don't have an agreement before today, then there's already going to be a significant uh, downwards turn. 1,400 workers walked off the job at the Hunts Point Produce Market, part of the world's largest food terminal, on January 17th, the result of a wage dispute. Videos from Monday night show dozens of police officers, some wearing riot gear, converging on a picket line, where some striking workers were standing in the path of a truck driver outside the massive complex. An NYPD spokesperson said six people were arrested for obstructing traffic, released, and given summonses. We will stay on strike until these employers pay their workers the essential wage they deserve, Daniel Kane Jr., president of the Workers' Union Teamster Local 202, said. After their three-year contract expired this month, the union representing the market's drivers and warehouse workers began negotiating with company leaders for a $1 raise and greater health care coverage for another three-year contract, citing high demand placed on them throughout the pandemic. Some members have lost their lives during the pandemic, while others became sick from COVID-19, according to Charles Macadio, a union trustee. Union members working at the Hunts Point Produce Market make between $18 and $21 an hour, depending on their job duties inside the Mammoth Industrial Site, which operates 24-7 on city property and is open to the public. The yearly base salary works out to be between $40,000 and $45,000 without any overtime pay. And, you know, I know we don't have listeners that are just in New York City, but in New York City, $40,000 is not very much money. Um, It might be in some other places where the cost of living is lower, but that's low, especially for a job where in the current situation, you're putting yourself at risk. Owners of the 54-year-old market returned with a counteroffer, a $0.32 hourly wage boost and $0.60 earmarked toward their health coverage. The produce market often pulls more than $2 billion in yearly revenue, according to the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Macadillo said, I think they're using the pandemic to try and get out of the contract. With every day that members are not working, produce will become scarcer, according to the union. For now, supervisors have managed to pick up the load to haul out 300,000 pounds of produce daily destined for grocery stores, restaurants, and supermarkets. Last night, the market got shut down for two hours, and it's not getting out, Macadillo said of the produce. They might think this is unskilled work, but it's not. You have to be trained, high-low operators racking things three and four high. That's not easy to do if you don't know what you're doing, okay? You got to know how to maneuver a jack so that the strawberries aren't all over the floor. A spokesperson for the Hunts Point Produce Market said the market will remain open for business. Our top priority is maintaining the flow of fresh produce to our region, the statement reads. Even with the continued uncertainty surrounding the pandemic, we are offering our dedicated workers wage and benefit increases over the next three years that are a multiple of the current annual cost cost of living. Under our offer we will continue to pay 10k per employee and year for pension benefits and 15k per employee per year for health care benefits in addition to base wage increases. Unfortunately, the union walked away from the bargaining table 12 days ago and since has focused only on bringing its members out on strike which is harmful to the members of the community. So that's the end of um, what I'm reading from the David Cruz um, Gothamist article. Um, In Grub Street, Rachel Sugar said, the union points out that these are essential workers who have been helping to keep the tri-state area fed throughout the pandemic. It's not good enough just to clap for them and say they're essential. When they ask for a decent raise, a fair number, they should be told, yes, you can have that and thank you. Teamsters local 202 president, Danny K, told CBS New York. And um, on in the on the Gothamist article, they have some links to where you can see the police going in and breaking up the strikers, which is obviously, you know, excessive use of force, like they're grossly outnumbered. Um, But there's also a clip on Twitter, if you go to Teamsters JC, their account, there's a clip where they show there are 21 train cars of merchandise that were turned back at the Hunts Point market at the strike line. So the locomotive engineer at the front of the car said we Teamsters too, turned the freight around, and headed back to Ohio uh, in solidarity with the striking workers here in the Bronx. So yeah, that's... That's a piece of local news, uh, especially in light of it just being MLK Day and what he stood for as far as, you know, poor people and fair wages. I hope that they're successful.
0: Wow, it's crazy how things happen in New York City and like you have no idea if it's not in your borough. Um, But I haven't heard of um, something like this happening locally in a while. Like, um, just you know, understanding what's happening on the ground in regards to this,
2: yeah, thanks for doing that story, Jasmine, and bringing that to everyone's you know, greater attention. um there was a couple points from that that really stood out to me. I think the the you said it was the Teamster president who talked about this is an unskilled labor um or whoever whichever teamster said that um like i I remember at some point this year I saw something online about like saying like unskilled labor is a myth meant to like keep some people's wages below um a certain level making it easier to you know underpay certain people and it's really true everything that guy said is exactly right you know you can't just uh, throw a ceo into um a highly like physical job like that and they'll just like ace it like every single job takes a certain level of training
1: that's if anybody that's ever worked jobs where you deal with the public or like you mm-hmm. have to do a lot of manual stuff and the people above you that make a lot more than you, you throw them into doing what you have to do and watch them flounder.
2: Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm.
1: know, but they get respected.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's very specific um manual labor jobs that are often considered, you know, quote unskilled. Um, but it's like every, every job, being done is a job that deserves to be paid a fair wage and a wage that this person um, if they're working full-time should be able to live on comfortably Um, and to say that some jobs don't deserve to make that much money uh, is wrong (laughs) if you're doing a job that needs to be done you should get paid um, fairly for it
0: I agree, and I hate that term like unskilled labor. Unskilled labor, like, can we get away with terms like that that put Mm -hmm. people in boxes or um, just kind of really don't really show the worth of human life? I feel like some of these titles that we have on these jobs, you know, whether you are a secretary or you know all the way up to the CEO, there's different levels of skills that you need, and most of the time, the people on the ground primarily. Most of the time, the people on the ground primarily have a lot more to do with customer service, satisfaction. Having to deal with people all day long is a skill. It's not something that you can just, whether you're ringing groceries or you're having a conversation. That energy that it takes to push that sort of agenda and make sure people get what they need is ultimately like the real work, right? It's the real work that keeps businesses going and things of that nature. So we should just do away with that whole you know, terminology, unskilled labor, because I think the pandemic proved people who work in everyday business are frontline workers in the grocery store are just as important as everyone else who is doing different jobs from their desk. It, do- it doesn't, you know, it really devalues humanity when we give people these titles that don't make
3: sense.
1: Yeah. And you know what, it's unfortunate that We all have to eat in the same way that we all, on some level, need access to health care and things like this. And the only thing that you can really do to try to force these bosses' hands is to withhold your labor. And it's a shame because when things like this happen, like if you hear how the company is talking about like, oh, this is bad for the community, you can afford to give those people another dollar. And make sure that they have better health care, especially given the situation where you are literally you are putting your body, your health, everything at risk, even if it's not a pandemic. Like when you're doing those manual jobs or like you're picking vegetables like out in the fields and stuff, you gotta be hunched over. Like that's wear and tear on your person, you know, and that that shit can take years off of your life. The least you can do is pay the people well but instead of putting the blame where it belongs, it's like they put it on the worker for not wanting to do more for less, you know, and you see the same shit sometimes with teachers or nurses. It's like, because it's something that's essential, they want the societal pressure to be on you to just do it because it's the right thing or out of the goodness of your heart, as if you can eat and live and pay your bills with people clapping for you, and that's just it's ridiculous i just hate to see how the narrative gets spun around onto the workers who are demanding more and who are being exploited instead of looking at you know why are you holding out on these people because i'm sure you could take some of the money that the people that are higher up are making and transfer that to the people that actually can shut the city down exactly if they don't continue to do this work
2: yeah absolutely um and uh, related to that, like, I guess, like tangentially, um, the story also, I think, really helps highlight um, like just where your food comes from and how much of how many of us don't even know how it ends up on our grocery shelves um, and how our food system in this country, especially, can be very exploitative. Um, just like Jasmine said, like people out in the fields not having access to health care or enough food um the animal farm like the factory farming in this country is is horrible for not just animals but our planet um in general just the way that just like that shit and the antibiotics they use it's bad for everyone's health um and it's bad for the people working in those factories too i think this year really highlighted um the outbreaks that were happening at at meat factories in this country among uh the workers there um so you know it take Try and take the time. It's really hard and it's it's hard on purpose. All that stuff is very well hidden. You're meant to be sort of dazzled by what you see in the grocery store so you don't really ask too many questions. But, um, you know, food is is essential. <laughs> it's an essential part of life, just like everyone's saying. Um, and if you can take the time to figure out where your food's coming from and who is potentially being exploited to get it, um, you know, if more people paid attention to that, you know, maybe some things could be rectified in the long run but it's it's com- right. it's really it's it's so complicated and it's so fucked up and it's not just like one person can fix it but you know try and take the time to figure it out
1: and i think yeah and for- before Go ahead. before we move on I, I meant to mention that um 1400 workers went on strike and according to some union estimates 300 to 400 people have been infected with COVID-19. And so far, six union workers have died of COVID, like just to put some added perspective into, you know, what's going on.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for bringing light to that story. Jasmine, I definitely think it's important for us to be more conscientious about how we get the goods that we need, especially right now when people are so vulnerable. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our first musical track or musical break for the day for today. The first track is a throwback and it's from In Vogue and it is Free Your Mind. We'll be right back. Wrote
1: a song about it? Like to hear it? Here it go. Free Your Mind.
0: Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for our national news segment, Emily will give us a great recap of the inauguration. Take
2: it away. Yeah. All right. So after two weeks of federal anxiety, on Wednesday, the inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States went off without a hitch and with a great deal of relief, if I do say so myself. Um, And of course, Kamala Harris was sworn in as vice president making history as the highest ranking woman ever in the United States. Um, And the New York times highlighted that fact for me. Um, So a collective exhale was heard nationwide as Trump finally got the fuck out of the white house, leaving in his wake more damage than any of us could have ever imagined four years ago when that communal nightmare began. Uh, Wednesday was not a foregone conclusion, of course, after the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, January 20th became a fearful date circled on the calendar. Would the white nationalist terrorists target that event as well? Uh, Trump, Trump's announcement that he would not be there was almost like a dog whistle invitation for them to strike again. Uh, and further elaborating on that point, a uh, January 10th New York Times article by Alan Fewer titled Police Reassess Security for Inauguration and Demonstrations After Capitol Attack. Uh, that article explains that, quote, Washington's mayor issued an urgent appeal to start preparing immediately for more potential violence before, during, and after the inauguration of President Elect Joseph R. Biden Jr. Following one of the most stunning security elapses in the city's history, Mayor Muriel E. Bowser sent a firmly worded letter on Saturday to the Department of Homeland Security asking officials to move up to Monday the implementation implementation of heightened security measures that are otherwise set to begin on January 19th, just one day before Mr. Biden's swearing in, uh, end quote. Uh, furthering the you know f- efforts towards security, uh, Airbnb blocked and canceled reservations in D.C. during this time frame to help keep people from out of town um, coming in. And I even saw it reported on multiple sources that 15,000 National Guard troops were sent in to help protect the city, Uh, militarytimes.com reported that they were sent from 19 different states. And it seems that all of this worked because there was no major incidents of violence uh, marring yesterday's events. Um, Yesterday for me, so Wednesday for everyone else listening. Um, From a New York Times article by Peter Baker covering the event, uh, quote, without ever naming Mr. Trump, who left the White House early in the morning for Florida, but still faces a Senate trial for provoking his supporters... Mr. Biden said that the United States democratic experiment itself had come under assault by extremism and lies, but ultimately endured. Uh, and this is a quote from Biden within the quote, uh, through crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew and America has risen to the challenge. The president said in a 21 minute inaugural ad- address that blended soaring themes and folksy touches. The will of the people has been heard and the will of the people has been heeded, he added. We've learned again that democracy is precious, democracy is fragile, and at this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. Other highlights of yesterday included Kamala Harris, the first woman, first Black, and first Indian vice president, being sworn in by the first Latina member of the Supreme Court, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Also, Amanda Gorman, the nation's first youth poet laureate, gave a spellbinding recitation of her poem, The Hill We Climb. And a video of that is available on CNN. And I recommend that if you haven't seen it yet, you go and watch her. Uh, Jennifer Lopez saying, This land is your land, and America the beautiful. And even threw in a line from her 1999 hit, Let's Get Loud, uh, which was a real fun moment to watch for sure. And the newly minted vice president, Kamala Harris, swore in. Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff to the Senate, officially flipping Congress. Uh, And a quick note on that as well. So the Washington Post reported that, quote, with copies of the century old manifest from his great grandparents journeys to Ellis Island in his suit pocket, John Ossoff on Wednesday clutched a Hebrew Bible that was equally steeped in history as he was sworn in as Georgia's first Jewish senator. It once belonged to Rabbi Jacob Rothschild, an ally of Martin Luther King Jr., and leader of Atlanta's Hebrew Benevolent Congregation Temple, the city's oldest synagogue and a home for civil rights activism that was bombed by white supremacists in the 1950s. More than just recognizing Asaf's barrier-breaking win, his choice of a Hebrew Bible speaks to the crucial bonds between the Jewish and Black communities in Atlanta that made the moment possible. Um, So again, congratulations to Biden and Harris and Warnock and Asif um, overall, a pretty good day. I cried a lot. Uh, it might be because I was on my period. I don't know. Uh, I was also just really emotional. <laughs> um, I, I shocked myself with how much I cried, honestly, like almost like I turned on the TV to, to check it out. And I was just like every, every other minute I was just like, it's just like this wave of relief. I didn't even know that I like needed. I feel like I've been in shock for the last four years, at least partially. I totally Um, agree.
0: Yeah. Did you guys tune in? I did. And I was super emo as well. Um, I was like watching in the middle of my workday, like on my phone, getting mad every time somebody knocked at the door. But (laughs) because I just wanted to, you know, just see the key moments, because I think uh, during the last inauguration, I totally didn't watch, first of all, (laughs) because I was in my feelings. Um, but also, I really did enjoy um, the fashion, first of all, and that there was just so much highlight about the difference that this inauguration held. There were so many moments that were um, special, like the moment between Sodomore and Harris. Um, there was just so many special moments that I think made the historical day matter for everyone who has been speaking out against um, the orange man's injustice to all of society. Um, so yes, I feel you. I was definitely, definitely watching and super excited. Um, just to see decorum restored and also just to witness history. So, Maybe it was your period, or maybe it was just a really big moment <laughs> that we've all been waiting for yeah. and tired. You know, we're tired, yeah. so we're happy to have glorious moments, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. You're right about the fashions, too. That was so fun to watch. Um,
0: all <laughs> like, oh, these monochrome
2: suits, I oh, wear all black I know.
1: like, in commemoration. <laughs> I was
2: like, It was awesome. All the monochrome. Um, Jasmine, you said you you didn't watch?
1: Yeah, no, I, I wasn't watching. Like, I was... Um... Especially after what happened on the sixth, and you know, seeing how compromised the area was, I was worried that there would be like some kind of violence or something would happen. And I understand that there was a credible bomb threat at the Supreme Court, and people had to be uh, evacuated. So, oh, I yeah, didn't I, hear
2: about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's wow. like I, I spent my day like on other stuff. I did see people re- like reacting to things on Twitter, and I I took a nap at one point. So yeah, I'm relieved that there wasn't any like repeat of what happened on the sixth. Mm-hmm. But I um I I'm seeing mostly like second hand like people's reactions and some of the shorter clips.
2: Yeah, I, I'm also I didn't know that there were I knew that they had um been doing a lot of like, you know, turning over rocks and picking up like the bugs that they found, like metaphorically. Like they there was a lot of people that came out of the woodwork. Um or at least at least enough people to, to be scary, but the, the people in charge were doing, or the, the security teams were, were doing the work to to kind of prevent those things from, from coming to fruition, which is really good.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for that great coverage um, and that moment in history that I think we all were really waiting for definitely mm-hmm. made me feel special inside all the coverage we did um, leading up to that moment yesterday. Yeah. So- awesome yeah, awesome
2: really emotional um also katie perry did um at night towards the end like at night she did uh she sang uh firework and then there was this like stunning display of fireworks behind her on the the national mall so that was also there's a lot of celebratory stuff to cry over and just just to feel that relief and trump's gone just a lot of good stuff so
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, we have a special music cue today. Emily, you want to let us know what your choice was?
2: Yes. Well, after Jennifer Lopez, you know, graced us with the this moment of levity um, and joy, you know, just pure joy and and fun thrown in, um we're going to play her song Let's Get Loud, her 1999 hit. Um thanks to Jlo and uh, you know, congrats to all the newly sworn in elected officials.
0: Awesome.
2: We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now for our world news story, I will be uh, reading from a couple of articles from the BBC uh, concerning the coronavirus vaccine rollout in India. So the first article uh, was published a little while back, but it just kind of sets us up from January 5th. The author is Satuk Biswas. And the article is called Coronavirus, India to Export COVID Vaccines Within Weeks. So India will begin exporting locally made coronavirus vaccines within a fortnight of their launch, a foreign ministry official has told BBC. So just a little background on India's, um, you know, uh, place in the world. They are the second largest um, country to be affected, or I'm sorry, they have the second number um, of the highest number of cases of infection in the whole world since the pandemic began, it's been confirmed that more than 10.6 million cases and almost 153,000 deaths um, have been reported. And that's according to John Hopkins. So they are right behind the U.S., um, which puts them in a very interesting space. So the foreign Minister ministry officially confirmed that India's plan to help other countries was on track. Quote, within a fortnight of the rollout of vaccines, we will allow exports to some of our South Asian neighbors. Some of these exports will be paid by us as gifts and others will be supplied at roughly the same price that um, the government will be buying the vaccines at. So that was reported um, on the 5th. The CEO of the Serum Institute of India, which is manufacturing the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine in India, also sought to clarify some confusion. Basically, there was a back and forth on who was going to receive these and how they were going to distribute them. Um, They are expecting to start their immunization abroad program in the next couple of weeks and going to deliver vaccinations to uh, neighboring countries of Bangladesh, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, um, and any other ones um, that are nearby. So that's the first part of the story. However, the Serum Institute had a fire um, just yesterday, and five people have been killed in that fire, which is very interesting because they are stating that there has not been any damage to any of the vaccines. So the blaze started at a building which is still under construction at the Serum Institute. Uh, Footage showed thick plums of smoke billowing from a building on the company's sprawling site. Uh, The company said vaccine production would not be affected and the cause of the fire has not been identified. There's a quote here. says, we have just received some distressing updates upon further investigations. We learned that there has unfortunately been some loss of life. Um, So they definitely offered their condolences. However, they did say that the COVID shield is one of the two vaccines that was approved and there has been no damage to what they plan to send out. The country aims to vaccinate 300 million people uh, by early August. So many other low and middle income countries are depending on this Um, So definitely having this fire break out without any sort of recollection of what's happening. There could be some foul play here, or it could just be an accident. And all of this comes along the time that India is now uh, beginning their Kumbh Mela festival, where many people pilgrim out to India to bathe in the Ganges River. So there's been um, some, definitely some commentary about the safety of everyone coming now to the country to participate in the festival. Yeah, the timing couldn't be more more surprising. So um, if you're familiar with this festival, thousands of people pilgrimage to India um, to partake in this and bathe in the Ganges River um, and definitely have a just kind of a renewal. The festival normally lasts about, I think, four months. So they have limited the time frame of the festival to only last for a couple of weeks. So obviously there's been a lot of people reporting about people coming into the country from other places. Uh, district officials have warned people to only come after they have tested negative to definitely wear masks at all times and maintain social distancing. Um, at a recent court hearing, petitioners raised concerns and definitely because the country has not been on lockdown. So not only are they bringing people in from outside The country hasn't been on lockdown during this whole time. So everybody is very concerned that this is going to be another big scale event. Um, As I said before, it's been uh, the festival has been shortened to 48 days. And state police officials um, are on guard and definitely um, more in the space than they would have normally been. So there's a lot going on there. Um, one, they are distributing the vaccine to these other countries who may not be able to have access to it, which I think is uh, very powerful. However, you know how they get the vaccines there is questionable at this point. And then with this fire, I feel like other things are going to come out in the near future about you know the probability of some of that, um, some of those, the, the vaccine supplies being limited. So an interesting time in India, but I definitely um, are keeping, you know, all of the people pilgrimaging there in my prayers, because I feel like at this point in time, everyone feels the need to have some sort of spiritual um, reform. And this is a very big global festival. So hoping that, you know, it's not a super spreader event, just because of all of the moving parts and the variables involved.
2: Yeah. My goodness. Um, so much going on over there. Um, I, I did not know that that festival was still, um, I I have heard of that festival. I don't, I didn't know about the timing during the year. Um, I am surprised that there aren't measures being taken to, um, I guess not have that festival happen. I know that when it comes to religious ceremonies, it gets very sensitive. Um, in terms of like public policy um but uh, yeah it's very
1: concerning
2: um that that could be a super spreader event for sure yeah,
1: it's scary but there's i also think when you have situations like that it can especially like not everyone within the country is of the same faith and when you have something happen I think some people will take that as an opportunity to like attack people of certain groups,
3: mm-hmm. which I
1: hope doesn't happen. But like, yeah, you know, it's like that happens where then it's like, Oh, like you're a part of this group that still did this thing. You're the reason why this is happening. And I, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, I hope that doesn't happen in this mm-hmm. case. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, especially because they haven't been on lockdown either. So, you know, yeah. for them to have COVID-19 as the second, the, the, world's second largest number of cases. And then all of these people coming in, I'm I'm really wondering about the travel regulations in that part of the country, if they are as strict as they are over here. Um, Apparently not. I mean, if people are able to come and still be a part of the festival. So just, you know, keeping an eye out on what's happening over there and hoping that those, you know, vaccines actually get out to these neighboring countries that really need them.
1: Yeah that fire sounds uh, suspicious. Right? I mean, I Doesn't know it? there was there was that thing that happened here with the person that ruined what was it like 500 doses because I he just d- didn't believe in vaccine.
2: I did not hear about that. Where was that?
1: This was in Wisconsin. It was a pharmacist. He deliberately ruined oh like all of these vaccines because he was a anti-vax conspiracy person. Like, hey, what happened in India? Wow. Maybe it was an accident. But I, we're living in such strange times. Like, who knows? Like, someone exactly. could have done that intentionally.
2: i know we'll talk about conspiracy theories am i right (laughs) i know right i mean Uh, we're all over the map i mean it's definitely something
0: to consider you know just because the way the world is going right now so they're saying that uh i just went back to the article it says due to multiple production buildings um that they have been able to reserve a lot of well it says they've been able to reserve all of the vaccines but i think there's more to come on that story and that just happened yesterday so
1: i'm sure okay well Well, that's that's good yeah Yeah. they weren't destroyed because that's a big worry is like when supplies are not keeping up with what you need so that's
2: what's happening in this country it is really sad that that so many people died in that fire you said six people
1: yeah,
0: uh, according to this article, it says five have been confirmed, oh, but I mean, like I said, it, this was ten hours ago on BBC. That's
2: a bad TV. fire. Yeah, that's yeah. very sad. Uh, yeah. uh, we'll
0: keep watching this story, but um, yeah, yeah. putting yeah. in some good vibrations for the festival. I know a lot of people uh, go there yeah. to have spiritual
2: healing, so I'm hoping that happens. Yeah, wishing wishing everyone a safe, safe, whatever, <laughs> safe, Absolutely. safe, whatever they need. Yeah. All right.
0: And for our final segment, Emily, hit us with the good news, please.
2: Yes. Here to wrap it up with some good news. All right. So this story comes from a January 20th, New York Times article by Aishvaraya Kavi that explains, uh, quote, in 17 executive orders, memorandums and proclamations signed hours after his inauguration, President Biden moved swiftly on Wednesday to dismantle Trump Trump administration policies his aides said have caused the greatest damage to the nation. Despite an inaugural address that called for unity and compromise, Mr. Biden's first actions as president are sharply aimed at sweeping aside former President Donald J. Trump's pandemic response, reversing his environmental agenda, tearing down his anti-immigration policies, bolstering the teetering economic recovery and restoring federal efforts to promote diversity, woohoo! Uh, so some highlights include re-entering the Paris, Paris Climate Accords. Biden signed a letter, and the U.S. will officially rejoin in 30 days. As a reminder, it's quote the coalition of nearly 200 countries working to move away from planet-warming fossil fuels like coal, oil, and natural gas. Uh, which Trump withdrew from in 2019, like a jerk. Uh, Biden is revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. He's reversing rollbacks to vehicle emission standards. He's, quote, undoing decisions to slash the size of several national monuments. Um, And those monuments are like big national parks, kind of like monuments. Um, he's, quote, enforcing a temporary moratorium on oil and natural gas leases in the uh, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, he signed an executive order reinforcing, quote, Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to require that the federal government does not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, a policy that reverses action by Mr. Trump's administration. He's ending, quote, Trump administration's 1776 Commission, which released a report on Monday that historians said distorted the role of slavery in the United States, among other history. Mr. Biden also revoked Mr. Trump's executive order limiting the ability of federal agencies, contractors, and other institutions to hold diversity and inclusion training. And <laughs> I, uh, I write like, yeah. <laughs> Um, Biden signed an executive order restoring, quote, the Directorate for Global Health Security and Biodefense at the National Security Council, a group Mr. Trump had disbanded. Uh, Quote, Mr. Biden is requiring social distancing and wearing of masks on all federal property and by all federal employees. He's also restarting. He's also starting a 100 days masking challenge, urging all Americans to wear masks and state and local officials to implement public measures to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Finally, um, Mr. Biden is also reinstating ties with the World Health Organization after the Trump administration chose to uh, to withdraw the nation's membership and funding last year. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci will be the head of the U.S. delegation to the organization's executive board and will jump into the role with the meeting this week. Quote, with an executive order, Mr. Biden has bolstered the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, or DACA that protects from de- deportation immigrants brought to the United States as children, often called dreamers. Mr. Trump thought for years to end the program, known as DACA. Um, the order also calls on Congress to enact legislation providing permanent status and a path to citizenship for those immigrants. Quote, Mr. Biden is moving to extend a federal moratorium on evictions and has asked agencies, including the Agricultural, Veteran, Uh, Veterans Affairs and Housing and Urban Development Departments to prolong a moratorium on foreclosures on federally guaranteed mortgages that was enacted in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The extensions all run through at least the end of March. Finally, Mr. Biden issued a freeze on all new regulations put in motion by his predecessor to give his administration time to evaluate which ones it wants to move forward. The memorandum is aimed at preventing so-called midnight regulations or policies pushed through by a lame duck president, unconstrained by electoral considerations. The fast pace often cuts short the opportunity for the public or industry to review the policies. End quote. Um, I also saw somewhere, I just remembered that I think um, Biden signed something to stop halt construction on the border wall. <laughs> um And remember the border wall guys? Remember worrying about that? (laughs) Yep. I am finding corroboration from the AP. Biden holds border wall building after Trump's final surge. Um God, like what a fucking trip the last four years has been. It's just it's like it's like they coming in with this border wall and we're ending with this fucking pandemic with four hundred thousand people dead. And just hearing the list of the ways, like like you're you're gonna shrink the national parks and you're gonna you're gonna pull out from the Paris Climate Agreement and you're gonna, and you're pull, gonna get just a
0: diversity training yeah like what, yeah, want,
2: like, what the fuck
0: I, I, while you were reading that I was sitting here thinking about how many stories we did on all that shit I know
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's over it's I mean of course you know it's not over you have to stay vigilant but it's like it's like I didn't you like I didn't even realize how much anxiety I've been living under just like in the back corner of my brain for the last four years. Right. Like in a way that it just became so infused in my walking day to day life that I, I stopped even like every time I would get an alert about Trump, there was, there was one, do you remember when he was trying to make like elephant, it was like, elephant hunting legal or something like that it was like something crazy something elephant like hunting in the United States no that it, it was or it was like the importing <laughs> of ivory he was gonna like make that legal again or something it was and it might have been a different endangered animal or something but it was like I remember seeing that alert a few years ago and just like laughing I was just like Cause of course he is he's just like this it's like something out of a, a villain from a Disney movie I'm sure and it just,
0: Biden was, like, looking at all these things, like, oh, my gosh. She probably was making the list forever. Like, let's just add it to the I, list.
2: No. It's just, it's just having – you know, like, no one's perfect. I, I'm sure we're going to have plenty to discuss in terms of things we disagree with in the coming four years. But, like, my God, just, like, the relief to have someone – In office, who is like his first few hours, like the confidence, like he knew coming what he needed to do, he was ready to do it. Like the confidence alone. But then on top of that, to to just overturn these things that are just like so bad. (laughs) And it's just it's such a relief. I feel like I'm gonna start crying again, just like reading it again. Like the border wall. You remember caring about remember when the border wall was like the the worst thing? That we could picture like that we that we you know we're dealing with
0: i want to see what and, it looks like
2: like how i don't they actually, you know, just to see like i what, know yeah what
0: they actually accomplished you know because we stopped hearing right. about yeah. it so i was just wondering
2: just curious probably if, you know, they got. yeah yeah i mean what what like a physical monument to just like just this just like the the shit this administration wanted to do like the wall was like doesn't make sense on so many levels, you know. Horrible for the environment, like just so, like just like
1: it was. I don't know through like sacred land, yeah. like things like uh, I don't know the name of the plant, but they're you know when you think of the desert, they're mm-hmm. like the specific type of cactus plants, and they're very important to a lot of indigenous communities. And mm-hmm. just, they were just cutting through them and just destroying yeah. them. Yeah, it's so disgusting.
2: It's disgusting. It it just doesn't make sense logically. Like you can't just, you know, like what, what cartoon world do you live in where you can just build a giant wall across how many thousands of miles of land because you don't want some people like it's just like, what what world do you live in where that even makes sense? And the fact that it was actually happening is just so cuckoo bananas. And we've just been living under this. You know, like this craziness for so long. I don't
0: (laughs) blame her. I I totally feel the same (laughs) way. I'm just over here muting because I'm like emoting her same emotion. I know.
2: I know. All right oh whew. I mean just like reading the list just like it's just I really highlights it all it's just and you know it's like we've been it feels like we've been being gaslit for four years where like we've just been or like you know like that frog and like the boiling pot or whatever analogy where it's just like it's just been getting hotter and hot like and we've been trying to fight back but like you know that just keeps getting worse and worse and and now finally like you know there's adult there's an adult in again right. anyway rant. it's so rat that's a wrap (laughs) that's a wrap for me I'm done thank you for listening
1: (laughs) I want to say like my like when these things happen like a president signs something and it's a good thing or it's a step in the right direction I just like to take a minute to focus on like the people that have been out in the street mm, that have been yes. putting themselves at risk. Like, yes. There's mm-hmm. undocumented people that, you know, knowing that they were at risk of being snatched up, like they were still out organizing and encouraging other people to vote so that they and their communities could be safer. You know, like I, those, the victory is really, they, the credit should go to those people, you know? And I, I think that, um, Uh, it's unfortunate that we'll still have to continue to fight and support those people no matter who's in office but it's definitely good to see some of that work paying off even if it is incremental or it's not everything it does you know show like when you organize and you're focused and you don't stop there is some light at the end of the tunnel that's possible
2: yeah that's so true jasmine thank you so much for for coming in and reminding us of that it's so true
0: absolutely
2: and just you know also i just hope those babies is out of them cages because that whole oh my god let's just make sure right let's just make sure oh my
1: god yeah but he still needs to be pushed on that like i i don't i didn't prepare a story on it but there were some people you know like sometimes like the headline or the initial news it's like oh wow that's great but then when you look at some of the fine print it's like wait a minute like but what doesn't this cover so right. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. good to, you know, dig into what exactly has been stopped because the the person that was there previously, it's like the bar was in hell no. because he was so <laughs> terrible and yeah. such a cartoon villain. Yeah. That, you know, it's like anything is better than that, but even better than that is still not where we ought to be. So yeah, like they they need to get these kids back with their fam. Like there's so many things happening that are It's going to take a while for us to get out of the mess.
0: Yeah, but it feels like we are definitely headed in a different direction. And I'm going to go ahead and say a better direction. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes. We have somebody with a, a brain, a heart, and all the years of public service that Joe Biden has makes me feel a little bit more confident in his ability to fix um, what is broken and lead us towards something that makes more sense for everyone. So absolutely. Thank you so much for that great story, Emily. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you were the one to bring it because your passion and your fire <laughs> is real. <laughs> and I, oh, I, I surprised
1: money.
2: myself with that. i wish
1: we were in the studio so we could see each other
2: (laughs) just like my just my face is just red right now just like picture (laughs) that just like just like a cartoon for lack of a better word
0: (laughs) so we have come to the end of our show for today we'd like to thank everybody for listening
1: um our facebook page is facebook.com forward slash objection radio free bk our Instagram handle is at Objection to the Rule. No space, no other special characters. Thank you
0: so much. And thank you for listening to our show. That's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Uh, stay tuned for more independent Brooklyn media. We're going to play you out with our final track of the day, which is a new song that I just found today from a 2020 um, compilation album called Stand Up. The song is called "Sorrow, Tears, and Blood," and it's by Goldlink and Airy Lynx. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.
3: Have a good week. Yeah. 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 Everybody, run, run, run. Everybody scatter, scatter uh. yeah. Some people lost some bread yeah. Someone nearly died yeah. Someone just died yeah. Police, they come, army, they come
1: live in New York City and run for either fun or exercise, here's a way to learn something about the city while you're getting in your workout. City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours designed with locals in mind. New York City takes pride in the diversity and character of its neighborhoods and these unique running tours offer an opportunity to learn the history of a neighborhood and get personal recommendations from your guide. Choose from tours of 23 neighborhoods, including the East Village, the Upper West Side, Bushwick, Long Island City, and Roosevelt Island. For more information about the running tours and to see the list of neighborhoods and full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com slash New York City and check out a live tour every Saturday at 10 a.m. on instagram.com forward slash city running tours.